0: Listeners, it's Philip here. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, The Double's Alley. I'm here with my brother Peter. Peter, how are you doing?
1: Doing pretty well. Um, in Boston, and it's cold.
0: Yeah, I mean, in Paris, it's cold too. There's, you guys are very lucky because there's literally nothing better for us to be doing right now than entertaining you. So, congratulations, listeners. Um, and I guess uh, before we start things off, uh, the biggest news of the tournament so far is Djokovic uh, tearing an oblique, and I guess some people are watch the fifth set and think, well, he looked pretty good there. To which the only logical response is, then why would someone fake an oblique injury when he's up two sets to love? You know, um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, he
1: wasn't looking like himself either
0: yeah Fritz really should have won that match uh, Joker was incredibly compromised like uh, yeah he was grimacing on every point like he was hitting some good shots but he was shanking a lot of balls um, and I, I really just think Fritz like like let himself go a little bit mentally and that, like, little bit of space is all all someone like Joker needs to, like, just sniff opportunity and, like, pounce. Um, And Peter, the question I have uh, before we really get into the tennis is, have you ever had your shot against somebody better than you in some domain who was clearly not their best self on a certain occasion Um, or just like, uh, yeah, some, some, someone generally out of your league who against whom opportunity presents itself and then just not being able to capitalize.
1: Yeah. I have a few examples in squash. Um, So for probably a good two years, I, my in terms of just who I would play on my team to figure out my spot on the team, it was usually I would do win some sort of dogfight against the person who was below me, and then I would just get routinely chopped by this guy Santiago. And there was one challenge match of ours though that uh, was a lot more contested than any of the others. And he was clearly sick, and and I still couldn't pull it out. I don't think I was the better player even with him sick, but that was definitely the the best chance I had. The other an, another example is um there was there's a guy a year above me on the team who who had just we were from the same city and I'd never beaten him in over a hundred matches, probably two hundred. Um, he, he came back from Israel, not having played for like a year, um, and we played a match and, uh, I thought I, I was in really, really fine form, but, uh, I tweaked my groin earlier in the week. So I wasn't, I, I wasn't my best self and I'm not sure if that mattered, but I was really annoyed that. My shot against him wasn't me as my best self. And then the third example is just a guy who, he was an All-American. He was, like, way better than me on paper and um, just in practice most of the time. Um, He was coming back from a long injury, and uh, we went into overtime in the final game, and, and he pulled it out in a really close one, and I thought that was my shot. Yeah,
0: those are all, uh, heartbreaking. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have as many, uh, squash stories as you. My story comes in chess. Like, I'm around a 1500 uh, level player on chess.com, and sometimes I'll be up, like, a knight on a 1700 player, and I'll always invariably lose from, like, that winning position. Um... And a lot of it is just seeing that the guy is a 1700 player and me being a 1500 player. I just. Uh, I, it, it's hard to keep your cool in that circumstance. Uh, which is what I feel like Fritz felt like. I guess in this example, Fritz would be like a 2200 level grandmaster, whereas Joker is like a 2400 level grandmaster. Um, But, yeah, that's a 200-point difference. Um,
1: I think what Fritz probably felt like, it's have you ever been on court with, like, a former top-ten player in the world who is now 50 years old, but they're still (laughs) filthy?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a good example. Um, Yeah, somebody who just clearly doesn't have their physical powers, but still has it mentally. Like, honestly, um, one thing I have sort of noticed a lot in this past year, one by watching, like, the Lakers win it, and then another by watching Tom Brady win another Super Bowl, is that at the highest level of sports, um, IQ is what wins. Uh, Like, the highest level... Most guys can execute most shots. Um, it's like playing the right shot at the right time and understanding just um, situation. Uh, and
1: just having the quicker, the quicker re- reflexes. Yeah, just reading the reading the game that split second faster. Uh, it's like how Tim Dunk why Tim Duncan was really good. He wasn't like an explosive athlete. But you just watched him, and he was reacting to a rebound a split second faster and making a defensive play a split second faster than anyone else would. And it's just sort of this, this learned um, subconscious reflex.
0: Yeah, and that's the just magical thing about watching just the highest level of sports is that, like, sports until that peak level is about the body. But at the very highest level, it's, like, about the mind. Um, and you have to be as good as Joker or, like, Rafa or Roger for it to be about the mind. Um, but, yeah, that's what's so, like, incredible. I disagree with them. that,
1: actually. I think it can be about the mind at every level. And at every level, you see the person who's just the sick athlete in the person who's just really crafty and smart and with it sort of going toe to toe.
0: Yeah. I guess if, uh, yeah, if people, if one person is just, if one person has known a higher level than another person, then they're, they have an advantage beyond like whatever physical advantages they have. Um,
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's like in Squash, how if somebody has been number one in the world, they can be retired, and five years later, they'll still probably beat the 30th player in the world in a one off match.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just like having reached a certain platitude, you just have like an understanding for like game dynamics that. This other person just straight up can't have without having been there, um, and that was what was enjoyable. I was I was rooting for Fritz in like the third and the fourth, and then he kept showing his box, and it was these like these like sort of the the type of guys who you would just say like Trump voter, like <laughs> like just pudgy pudgy white dudes with like big red beards um i'm like oh actually i want joker to win (laughs) and actually that's maybe the biggest problem with the u.s tennis right now like i wonder how like fritz isner like christian harrison and then tiafo operate in the locker room setting you know
1: yeah yeah uh yeah, there's there's a lot of Trump influence in the U.S. squash right now. Although we don't U.S. Know squash that about or tennis.
0: Fritz. You mean tennis?
1: Or in tennis, yeah. We don't know that about Fritz, though. Um, I mean,
0: he's evangelical. We we've got a pretty good idea.
1: Yeah, we don't know actually know how political he is, even if he identifies. I don't know. It's yeah. It's uh. So I actually hadn't watched Fritz in a really long time. I um. I think he's definitely in the running for best looking on tour.
0: You think so? I think uh yeah he uh I I disagree. Uh yeah, I mean I just yeah. I don't I don't I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Alright. Oh. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe for but- you. <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, – no, but to your point about how, like, once you've known a level, you just have a mental advantage and you really have to be um, super compromised physically uh, or just at a disadvantage physically to lose. Um, I think part of it's, – it's like how um, injured players, right? Injured players – um, you kind of expect them after a month of being back to be their former selves. And if you've ever been injured, like even if you're out for like three or four months, you're like back to your former level like pretty quick once you're healthy. And like with injuries, it's it's not super – it takes dedication, but not but if you're dedicated, you should be able to get back to the level you were at. But it's really hard to improve past the level you were at. And I think it's the mental part more than
0: anything. Yeah, I mean, everyone has their constraints. So it's, like... There is, like, a physical constraint. Something physical. Like, like Fritz's physical constraint, I would say, is just movement. He's just never going to be as fast as, like, a top five player needs to be. But, like... uh but, like, that, because of that physical constraint, um, he'll never know that, like, level, and thus will also be mentally constrained. Um, because I think, like, you have to have the physical to get to a certain level. But once you reached that level... Unless
1: your mental is so strong that it overcomes a lot. Because Tom Brady, for example has a lot of physical constraints that other quarterbacks don't have, but he's just a level up on the mental enough that it still doesn't matter
0: yeah that's a good example um, yeah can you think of a tennis player who wasn't who a, a very great tennis player who had who wasn't all that physically um, imposing
1: i mean I think you could argue federer Like, Federer isn't as athletic as Nadal and Djokovic, but he's just an insane mover. And, uh... And his shot-making is out of this world.
0: Yeah. I think (laughs) he would be... I think he's pretty darn athletic. At least he used to be. I mean, these days, like, old Roger is, like... Is, like, mostly brain and technique, uh... But like young Roger was so fast.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's fast, but it's not like he's a hundred yard dash fast. Um, he's more—he just reads the game. It's—it's it's like how he, how how big servers just had no chance against him because he could read their serve. He wasn't reacting; he was—he was, he was yeah. just a step ahead. Yeah, I and guess so, you can be fast think, by think, being I'll, a step ahead.
0: Yeah, I, think a, I think
1: a lot of his his speed and his movement was because he read the game so well um, and not necessarily his hit that he was physically superior to Sanga yeah. or or even like David Gofan.
0: If you, if you reach way back uh, I've heard, I, I wasn't around for McEnroe's day, but like the way he's described is as this genius. And if you, watch him in videos you do not get the sense that he was this like all-world athlete you know um and whereas like borg was like the 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 nadal of their day just like the physically imposing like uh yeah just just beast um and that was like yeah that was a cool clash of style um why that rivalry was so um Esteemed, um, but yeah, like uh, I guess uh, with Joker, like I, I just he said after the match that that was one of his best wins ever, and a lot of people like sort of like were questioning whether he was uh, whether he was playing possum or like this and that. But I actually agreed with Joker, like uh, in terms of just. Degree of difficulty. Like, uh, if you were watching in like the middle of the fourth set, you would have given Joker like a three percent chance of being able to win that match, and he was just able to get it together and win. Um, and it was all, it was all in the head. And uh, yeah, I was extremely impressed, but I also think he's fucked for the rest of the tournament. Like. Yeah. Like, an oblique is um, so, uh, no joke.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, um, so a little more on the first point, it reminded me of watching the, uh, the 2019 Warriors in the NBA Finals without, without Kevin Durant and then without Klay Thompson and just how, how hard it is to put, put away an established champion with a ton of heart and pride. Um, and you could just see that, that Djokovic was, like, locked in to figure out a way, if there was a way. And that was just... I'm, like, not a Djokovic guy, but that was incredibly fun to watch. And, and, uh, and impressive. Um, but I do wonder, like, you were getting at, like, the oblique is not something to mess with. Like, I wonder if he plays on it and aggravates it even more how much risk he's putting the rest how much he's putting the rest of his season at risk
0: yeah i think that's something he's i think he's seriously considering not playing like uh like after the match he he even sort of laid the breadcrumbs for possibly pulling out of the tournament um they have him as the night match uh which base and like one thing that's lucky for the tournament is that there aren't going to be fans who get screwed by like Joker pulling out, um, and that's actually one reason. Like, like uh, yeah, it might make it easier for him to retire because of that. Um, but yeah, like what you were saying, if like uh, muscle tear, the only the only remedy is rest. Like I'm sure, I'm sure there are uh, under the table things that, uh, might not pass drug tests, uh, that could be applied. But, um, but yeah, the only remedy is rest. Uh, it's on his right side, which means it like, um, gets tweaked every time he serves. Um, also, like, Rayonic, uh, like, Rayonic can just hit bombs all day. Like, uh, a compromised Djokovic, um, there's very little window to beat Rayonic with, like, a torn oblique, you know? Um, yeah, like, it's. I think, like, Joker really didn't want to lose to Fritz for whatever reason. He's like, I'm Novak Djokovic, this is my tournament. And I might lose, but not to Taylor Fritz. <laughs> this guy is just be- so beneath me by so much that I think I can beat him injured. Uh, yeah, and, uh, but I think, like, uh, the other thing is all he had to do was win one set. Whereas, like, against, Re- to beat Reynich, he's going to have to win three sets with a torn oblique. Basically, uh, I'd be surprised if he like played, but I'd be even more surprised if he finished the match. Um, like yeah. he might play, he might play like six games, be down a break, and just retire that way instead. Um,
1: the worst case scenario is he wins the first set. Yeah, like, cause, cause then, but. <laughs> The other thing about this is he's 11-0 and 0 against Rainich. He owns Rainich. He could... there. It would be kind of absurd if he still beat Reynich.
0: Yeah, just by, like, chipping returns and, like, puffing first serves in. Yeah, I mean, I just don't see it. I think he's just totally fucked. And um, he wanted to beat Fritz, was able to. Like, I know with muscle tears, like... I've torn my hamstring in the middle of a match and was able to continue. But then the next day it was just like the swelling just arrived and uh I wasn't able to walk like without a limp for maybe 10 days. Um yeah, like I think the 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 quickest you get back from a muscle tear is around 2 weeks. And the quickest you like fully recover is around, like, four to six weeks. Uh, like four weeks with the best physio, like Djokovic has. Like, basically, um, it's not going to magically heal for him. Um, that's my that's my uh, expert diagnosis. Yeah, but anyway, we've talked about Joker for a while. Uh, let's uh, let's let's go through like. What what do you think have been the best matches so far in the tournament?
1: I I mean, it's got to be the team versus Kyrgios match has to be up there. Um, The Fognini overtime in the fifth match was apparently a really good one. Um, then there was Sinner versus Shapovalov. Um, and a match that could have been really two matches that could have been really good if they had lasted longer are uh, Felix versus Shapovalov that was 3-0 but we were really looking forward to it and one we had circled on the uh, on the calendar pre-tournament Berrettini versus Kachinov that was 3-0 but it was three tie breaks
0: yeah and two of the tie breaks were
1: 7-5 yeah
0: yeah, Berrettini won. Um, yeah, also the Kyrgios matches. The uh, Umbert match is probably the one that everybody everybody talks about as the best match of the tournament. Um, he was down match point like on Umbert's serve um, in the fourth set and was able to pull it out. Uh, I mean, Kyrgios, he's just nasty sometimes. Like I actually turned that one on in the... like. Like, when it was, like, 5-all in the fourth, and he was just, like, just hitting just massive forehands and um, and varying his spins and all of that. And when Nick is rolling, I mean, that is just, like, I mean, everybody talks about his personality, but I think it starts with his game. When he's rolling, it's just fun to watch. Um, and he was able to get through... And then he had another big one against Team. Uh, I watched the fifth set of that one, too, and it looked like he was out of gas. Uh, but he was still just hitting ma- massive forehands, and you could just see it. Like, oh, man, like if he were only in shape, or better shape, like, uh, if he just put it all together. And it's not out of the question that he will. Like, I sort of feel like, He's matured a little bit, at least in the way he talks about in interviews. I mean, he still, like, behaves in embarrassing ways towards the ref, but it's not quite as um, bad as it was last time we saw him on court. Um, Like, uh, there's a big difference between 23 and 25, and there's a big difference also between 28 and 25. So, like, yeah, maybe, maybe in... In a few years, like, he'll be the Nick, Nick Kyrgios we all want. Um, but it was still, like, it's still fun to see. Fun to see him, like, just play one of the best players in the world and, uh, and really give him a good run. Like, team was not playing badly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. I guess like I guess now is a good time to talk about team. Um, you think? Uh, well, what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Grigor's chances are of knocking him off uh, tomorrow?
1: Uh, Grigor's had some good results, and kind of, I mean he got lucky that Karina uh wasn't himself. Um, Lucky. I, I mean, he would, probably would have beaten Carino Gusta, but it was like he's totally fresh. And team is, but team is fit. I mean, I don't think team will. Bo- team's body will be. Yeah, I don't think I it's, think it, he'll it, be it, totally there, both mentally and physically. Yeah, it I takes.
0: It's not like win. one five setter that's gonna like destroy team. It's like, it's like the third five setter in a row that might like get to him. So, like, yeah. if it's a five-setter, if it was a Kyrgios five-setter, then a Dimitrov five-setter, he'll be. Uh, like, if he plays Felix in the quarterfinals, then he might be uh, a little bit compromised. Um, but team should be good to go against Dimitrov.
1: Yeah, I, I just think team will win. Like, I give it 80% to team.
0: Yeah. I think uh, Grigor, like. Okay, imagine Grigor at his very best against Team at his very best. I think that would just be an incredible display. Um and that's what I really hope for. I care less about who wins than like I, I have confidence the team will will be able to reach his best level. I just hope uh, Dimitrov is able to do it too. Um just because that'll be just a treat for 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 the fans. Um and I, I like both guys, so I just, yeah, I don't really care who wins. Uh, yeah, I just sort of want a, a really awesome display of tennis, um, and I think it's possible.
1: Yeah, so I have competing uh, rooting interests because um, part of my, w- with Djokovic's compromise, my rooting interest in the top half is basically anyone except Zverev, and I think <laughs> team makes it harder for Zverev to get out. Um, I also kind of hope Felix can really, like, make the final or make the semifinal. And it would be easier for him if if he faces off against Dimitrov in the quarters. Uh, so yeah, I don't totally care. Um,
0: Though if Dimitrov I- is good enough to beat team, then it means he's playing well. Um, and it's not necessarily... Um, easier to beat Dimitrov than Team in that in that scenario. Um,
1: Not necessarily, but at the same time, just consistency.
0: Yeah, he's, like, he's less likely to bring it a second day in a row than Team is. Yeah,
1: like or the fifth day, the fifth time in a row. Like Grigor hasn't dropped a set yet, but when there's only been one example of him just being a stud in a Grand Slam.
0: Yeah, that time he. He almost beat Nadal in the semifinals. Um, I mean, he's he's had a Wimbledon semifinal as well, and he won the year-end uh, Nitto um, a few years ago. Uh, yeah, he's a few years away from being, like, I think number... He was a top five player, I think, just a few years ago. Um, yeah. At least top eight. Um Yeah. Yeah, uh, I sort of have that match circled because um, Dimitrov—he's—he's he's not top ten right now, but his talent is like on his day, like just as good as anyone except for Nadal or Djokovic. Um, so I, yeah, I have that match circled. But yeah, so let's let's uh, let's go through them. Uh, I guess at the top we've talked about Raonic Djokovic. I have Raonic in that one. What about you?
1: Yeah, I got Raonic.
0: And then uh, Sverov-Layevich.
1: Um, I got Sverov.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's chalk. Um, and then uh, we just talked about Team Dimitrov. I think we both think uh, Team is going to win, but it has potential to be just like a, a very good display of tennis. Um, and then Felix. I think we both are taking Felix over the Russian qualifier.
1: Yeah, who had a 50 to 5 winner-error ratio against Schwartzman. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that is just like playing outside of yourself. Um, yeah, and he's not even young. I think he's like 27. Um, yeah, uh, okay. Let's go to the other side of the draw. Um one thing I want to highlight is Batista Agú got upset in the first round. Like, I guess the favorite to come out of this side of the draw is like out was out in the first. I think it was maybe the biggest Grand Slam upset since Federer losing the second round of Wimbledon that year. Um, so yeah, that really um, jumbled my bracket. Uh, um, it's now M- Mackenzie McDonald is now in in the uh, quarterfinal against Medvedev. Um, who was taken to a set. Uh, uh, Phil,
1: Phil, Casper Ruud. It was going to be Batista Agut versus versus Rublev.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was going to be Rublev. Oh, whoops. Uh, yeah, Casper Ruud really got lucky. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah. Do you think Casper has has a chance against Rublev? Like Rublev hasn't dropped a set, looking looking pretty good. Yeah,
1: I. I do not, I think Casper, he's a good young player who will reach this round again, but yeah, he's not going to get past Rublev this time around.
0: Yeah. I think he's also just like a better clay court player. Like, uh, I think this is just like a very good hardcore result for him. Um, and then, uh, the other Russian Medvedev, he was taken to a fifth against Krijanovic. Um, do you know what happened in that match? Um, like, uh, I just saw he was up two sets, and then when I woke up, it had been a fifth set win. Um, yeah, like, that's the thing with Medvedev, is like, uh, he has this incredible level, but then it just goes away sometimes. Um, and luckily, he was able to find it again, pull out the match, but yeah it means he he played an extra two hours longer than he might he's been on court two extra hours now um which is uh but I don't think it'll affect him against mackenzie Mcdonald
1: yeah I think I mean he'll beat mackenzie Mcdonald uh I was watching the first two sets of the match and thought it was over um but I mean he won the fifth set six love too I think it was just mentally he he uh he was having a tough time uh just keep like closing um and i think one thing that may be affecting him is he did have a long week before this too so um there may be some exhaustion from from the previous week yeah
0: um like yeah. that
1: could be why Batista Agú was wasn't his
0: full self. Yeah, like the ATP Cup, really. I mean, being the best player in Spain, like uh, he shouldered a lot um, in the ATP Cup. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and I guess Medvedev, you know, he had to play Batista Agú, um, which which must have taken a lot out of him. Um no,
1: Russia never played Spain. Right? Oh, okay. Spain the, played Italy.
0: Okay, never mind then. He has no excuse, Medvedev, because um, he didn't have to play Batista Iguk. Okay, and then the next, uh, the next Q or er, round of sixteen match is uh, a berrettini Beratini. Um, both have been. Yeah, this
1: is the big one. I'm gonna go Beratini. I've I've bet against him like every single time. Sitsipas
0: um, almost lost to Kokkinakis. Yeah. Um, you're going to go Berrettini because you've bet against him every time? I mean, there's kind of a good reason to bet against him. He kind of had a mediocre season last year.
1: Yeah, but he had a really good ATP Cup, and he's had a few really good wins.
0: Yeah. I think since the past wins, uh, I mean, I think he's just a better player. He he crushed Emer. Um yesterday and uh and i think he he leads the head-to-head like i when i was at the australian open two years ago i actually saw the two play in the first round before anyone knew who berrettini was um and it was a tight four setter and in the press conference after uh Sitsipas was just like yeah you guys don't know who berrettini is but he's a very 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 good player so that was a good result um so so <laughs> since saw it coming he he definitely respects Berrettini, um, but I think he I think he wins the uh, the Mediterranean showdown, um, and then the other Italian Fognini um, against Nadal, a grudge match. Uh, what do you think here?
1: I think Nadal will pull it out, but I really wish this wasn't a match <laughs> because it is a grudge match. And it's
0: never easy for Nadal. Yeah, Nadal. One rule with Nadal is that he just never loses to the same like, like player outside of the top like ten, um, twice. Like Fognini beat him in the U.S. Open, and I guess, but I mean, Fognini is sort of an exception to that rule because Fognini has upset him a few times, uh, and just has a game that really irritates Rafa. Um, especially on the surface uh, I was watching the nori Nadal match in um, the press conference after Nadal says his back like today like magically felt like a lot less painful than it has been um, it's not like a hundred percent it's just like definitely less pain like pain has subsided which is a good sign but I also um, was watching the match and Nadal didn't look his best like some people will say he looked pretty good because it was a three-set win and nori also has a game that gets it's just an awkward game to play um but uh but nadal uh he wasn't like uh he's going to have to play way better um he was just shanking a lot of uh shanking a lot of balls um yeah but I think the the one encouraging thing is he said his back felt better um and I also think he sees Djokovic compromised and he really really wants an Australian Open um uh like a second Australian Open title and I think he knows this is like this is as good a chance as he's going to get um regardless of how his back is, he's going to really give it everything.
1: Yeah. Nadal has won seven of their last eight meetings um, since the 2015 U.S. Open, where he lost in five. And that 2015 U.S. Open was Nadal at his worst. Like, that was Nadal's worst year. Um, There have been some tight matches in that stretch, but Yeah, I think that Nadal will most likely win.
0: Yeah, and he hasn't dropped. Even though he's not his best, he's had sort of a red carpet to to this round. Um, It's as easy a draw as there has been in the tournament, Um, and he hasn't lost a set. So he had an easy draw, but he didn't mess it up at all. Uh, Fognini had a. What
1: he really what could be really clutch for Nadal is if Barrettini and Sitsipas goes for like five hours.
0: Yeah. And what was the Fognini, uh, second round match? What, what was, it was like a fifth set tie break 14, 12 in the tie break. Um, so, uh, so Fognini has been tested. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, but yeah, I think we're both taking the doll uh, with the caveat that Fognini's a very good player. Um, and the doll isn't at his peak right now. Um, cool. So the uh, the QF with Svarev and Rejnic, uh are we both saying Svarev in three? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, team Felix, does Felix have a chance?
1: team just chopped him at the U.S. Open. But I think Felix may have learned from it.
0: It's I also a faster Felix... court. Like, apparently this is the fastest uh, like court that they've played on in a major for a long time.
1: Nice. Right, so I guess... Uh, so then... I'm going give, to uh, give Felix maybe a 30% chance in that match.
0: Yeah, but you think it's... Uh, you think it's team. Yeah, I mean smart money is on team i think uh but i mean felix will get there like karatsev is not going to beat ogre aliasim um and i guess that will be felix's first quarterfinal um yeah and i and team team team's been to the quarter so many times uh I just think yeah, the mental edge team just has the mental edge there, um, and we just got finished talking about how important the mental edge is. So it's not uh, it's not downplay that. Uh, yeah, I have I have uh, I have team in the semi against Sverev, um, and who do you have in that match?
1: I got uh, I got team.
0: Okay, I've got Sverev. Um, I think I think team will have just. Played too many tough matches by then. And Sverev, uh Sverev has the cause on his side. Like, he, he lost that US Open um, tiebreak yeah. in the fifth match. Um, and then uh, on the other side, Rublev or Medvedev?
1: Uh, Medvedev.
0: I'm going to go Rublev. Uh, just because... Um, you know... Rublev will have beaten the player who beat the player who beat the player who beat the player player that beat Bautista Agut, which is just incredible. Um, And, yeah, just sort of makes him untouchable in my mind. Um, And then Tsitsipas or Nadal?
1: Uh,
0: Or Baratini or Nadal? Uh,
1: I'm going to go Nadal.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have... I picked pre tournament I picked this past pre tournament to beat Nadal. But Nadal's looking I don't know. I think the extra carrot of Djokovic being compromised will incentivize Rafa to to just make it happen. Um, so yeah, uh, I think Nadal's gonna win that match. Um, all right, what about uh, who who when who wins your semi? Medvedev or Nadal?
1: Yeah, pre-tournament, this was the toughest one for me to predict. This is still the toughest one for me to predict, but I'm just gonna stick with what I said before and go with Medvedev.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go with Nadal over Rublev. Um, and then I have Svera versus N- Nadal. You have Team versus Medvedev.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna stick with my guns and the from the pre-tournament and go stay with Medvedev
0: yeah i'm gonna go uh Nadal's really going to want it, but sparev Sveriv... yeah i'm gonna go sparev I'm gonna say sparev wins it in uh in five then it will really wow. suck
1: yeah that that will suck yeah all right well at least you you'll have called it though
0: yeah at least there will be. One thing that's like kind of not shitty um though it's like pretty shitty uh, if Sarah wins um anyway um do you have any more thoughts on the tournament so far
1: uh no that's that's uh that's it for me
0: yeah, I think we're going to either uh preview the final or just do a Aussie open recap after the final. Um, but yeah, it's been a really, I think it's, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I actually kind of like the timing of it too. Like being able to wake up and watch some, like going, being able to watch a little bit before going to bed and then being able to wake up and watch a little bit makes it so you waste a lot less time watching tennis in your day, but still get like a flavor for like very good tennis. Um, also it was cool to see it with the fans like while it lasted uh yeah hopefully uh hopefully like covid can remain away from from the remaining players in the draw for at least one more week um but yeah uh, let's see how it plays out to all of our millions and millions of listeners Thank you. You can uh, hit us up at doubles Alley Pod on Twitter. And without further ado, La Bomba.